Well, good evening, everyone, and happy St. Patrick's Day. I see someone's wearing some little leprechaun things. I don't know what to call those, but that's awesome. <laughs> happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. It is such an honor and joy for me to be able to come here and speak at SYNC anytime that I get invited back here. It is just a privilege for me to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Um, as a worship pastor, getting to speak is uh, just an honor for me, and I am so blessed that this community and that this church and the leaders here have believed in me and believed in developing this gift of speaking in me, and that this community and church cares so deeply also about championing and empowering women speakers. So it is it's just my honor and privilege to be here. Thanks. Thanks. So as different pastors on staff, like Adam and off staff, have you know, help develop this gift in me. One piece of advice I get all the time is that it's super important to engage people right off the bat and, and make them laugh. But the problem for me is, is that I'm not very funny. So, oh, you laugh, that's sweet. Uh, but I do have a cat, and she is funny. So let's take a look at this video of her. <laughs> look, she's in the kitty guru. It's a little pouch here for the kitty. See, it's the best little meow. She does not hate it. My best friend. Isn't isn't she just precious? <laughs> she's she's so sweet and cute and talented. And that thing that I was wearing is called a kitty guru. And I'm I'm sorry that you all had to hear my cat voice tonight. But that uh, is like a little sweatshirt. That is exactly what it sounds like. There's a little kangaroo pouch for you to put your cat in. And I really wanted this for Christmas a couple years ago. And my husband Timmy was so sweet to actually buy this for me. But Eden reacts that way literally every time I try to put her in it. So this was like my expectations versus reality moment of like, that's what it's supposed to look like. And that's what it actually looked like. But to be honest, that cat doesn't look that much happier <laughs> than Eden. So I think it's just a, a bad invention. But yeah, so I, I'm not very funny. But my cat, Eden, is really funny and special. So enjoy that little laugh you got at her because it's probably the last one that you will get tonight. <laughs> but a uh, little, little confession here. The last couple times that I've spoken here at Sanctuary, I've been so nervous that I would be the only one that found my jokes funny because I find myself hilarious, but that doesn't always, like, transfer to other people. So I asked, like, ten trusted people to laugh at my jokes just in case. <laughs> So I, I would like to say I didn't do that this time, but I think I did as well. So, yeah. But Adam Hendricks, on the other hand, your pastor, is super funny. And I'm so deeply jealous of his sense of humor, actually. But uh, a couple months ago, he wouldn't tell you about this because he is so humble. But he was at the Mountain View campus, and he was doing announcements up front. And afterwards, this lady comes up to him, and she says, hey, you should really consider doing stand-up com com comedy. Stand-up comedy. You should be a stand-up comedian. And that would have been just been a nice little compliment from someone. But this woman was a stand-up comedian herself. So he said to this day, this is the best compliment he's ever received. So next time you interact with Adam, if you really want to encourage him and brighten his day, just tell him that he should do stand-up, and it'll really mean a lot to him. But all of that to say, um, I am just, 
I don't have any connection to what that has to do with my talk tonight. You might have been wondering how that connected, and it didn't. But on my way over here, I actually remembered as I was talking to my husband that I do have this little story from my childhood that connects with this topic of hurry, but I didn't think of it until today, and I think that's because it's literally my most embarrassing moment. And I think subconsciously I was protecting myself from embarrassing myself further after that cat video. But I'm going to share this story with you all tonight, and I hope that you all still respect me after this. <laughs> but, uh, man, when I was in sixth grade in junior high, the cool thing to have was these, like, Vans canvas, like, hippo shoes. I don't know if anyone remembers, though, but they were they were like black and they had these pink ugly hippos on them but if you didn't have them you were not cool and I wanted these shoes so badly and I saved up money I like worked and did all these chores and then I like finally thought that I had enough money for them and gave my mom that money and she was gonna go and get those shoes for me while I was at school but when I came home she told me that I was ten dollars short of that money to get those hippo shoes so instead of, you know, being mature and saying, oh, I'll just, I'll wait a couple weeks, I instead, it's so embarrassing, I <laughs> totally melted down and hysterically screamed and cried, and I called my mom on the way over, and she said that I stomped down the hall screaming, I want those shoes, <laughs> over and over again, and when my brother came home from soccer practice, he thought that I had, like, fallen and hurt myself and that we were going to have to go to the emergency room, because it was so bad. And I just wanted to hurry up that situation. And I realized that that is so embarrassing. And that's why I originally did not put that in my talk tonight. <laughs> but yeah, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you would know that we're in a series right now called Unsubscribe, which is all about identifying these toxic things in our lives that we need to get rid of or unsubscribe from to lead us to the most joy-filled life possible, where we allow Jesus to change us from the inside out in this process called sanctification. And these past couple of weeks, we've talked about comparison and jealousy and fear, and tonight our topic is hurry. Now, I think even the most patient of us in this room can see this spirit of hurry show up in our day-to-day -day lives. And see the spirit of hurry when we walk by someone and we say, hey, how are you? And we don't actually stop to listen to their response. We see the spirit of hurry when we're driving too fast, when we're cutting people off, tailgating them and honking at them. Personally, I am especially guilty of this one. Timmy and I were on our way to Disneyland a few months ago, and we had been on the road no longer than five minutes, and I had already honked at three people, and he made fun of me quite a bit for that, but they all deserved it, for the record. Um, we see the spirit of hurry when we zone out in conversations with people, or we interrupt them. Someone is telling us a story, and rather attentively listen to them, we start to go through our mental to-do list or start internally crafting our response to them so that we're not actually listening, we're just waiting for our turn to talk. Or we simply cut them off, interrupting them so they don't even get the chance to finish what they were trying to tell us in the first place. We see the spirit of hurry when we're quick to speak but slow to listen and try to understand someone who has a different perspective than us. Maybe someone who has different political views than you or someone who is from a different faith background. Rather than listening with love and an attempt to understand them, we assume we already know where they're coming from and we hurry to share our opinions and ignore what they have to say. 
The Bible says that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen, but the spirit of hurry causes us to get those two backwards. And we can see the spirit of hurry too when we're walking right here downtown Menlo Park and we see a homeless person on the street and we avoid eye contact with them. Rather than giving them the dignity of looking in the, in the eye and smiling at them to acknowledge and validate our common humanity, we look down and we hurry by and keep walking, convincing ourselves that maybe the conversation would be too awkward or, or that we're too busy and we don't have time to stop and talk to them or just simply acknowledge that they're there. But all of these symptoms are just that. They're symptoms of something deeper going on underneath the, sur the surface. That when we're in seasons of waiting, we wish God would hurry up. We wish God would hurry up. Now maybe you're in a season of waiting in your work right now. And you, you feel disappointed in your job. And, or you're waiting on a promotion or waiting to be moved to a new team. And you're feeling frustrated, unappreciated, or unfulfilled. And you are wondering why God won't hurry up and fix that situation. Or maybe you're single. And you see people all around you getting married and getting engaged and having kids. And your heart breaks. And it's hard for you to be happy for them. Because you can't help but wonder when God is going to let it be your turn. Or maybe you've just moved to the area for school or for work and you don't know a lot of people and you're still struggling to find community and make friends here. And you wonder when God is going to bring those friends along and how long you're going to have to wait until you don't feel so lonely anymore. But I believe that this spirit of hurry is actually rooted in doubt. Doubt that makes us believe that God has forgotten us or left us in our seasons of waiting. Doubting if he is truly faithful to fulfill his promises to us. If he's faithful to finish the work that he started in us, or has he just left us to figure it out on our own? Now why, in seasons of waiting, does God seem so distant, so slow, like, like he's forgotten us? A theologian named A.W. Tozer said in his book, The Pursuit of God, God never hurries. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. Now, God never hurries, but we hurry. God doesn't have deadlines, but we are so familiar with deadlines in our culture and in our human nature. But friends, we don't need to hurry because God is faithful. So tonight, if we truly want to unsubscribe from this toxic spirit of hurry that sneaks into our lives, we need to grasp a deep understanding of God's faithfulness, of his faithfulness and his promises that he is true to his word. And as we trust him and believe what he has promised us, we can rid ourselves from hurry by embracing an eternal perspective in the midst of our waiting considering what God wants to teach us in our waiting and how he is present with us there. And then we will realize that the reason we don't have to wait is because God is faithful. So first we need to grasp an understanding of God's faithfulness, of his promises, that he is true to his word. 
And in one of the most well-known examples in the Bible of God making a radical promise to someone is the story of Abraham. And we're going to be unpacking some of his story in our time together tonight. Now, Abraham's story began first with a promise. God had promised Abraham in his already old age that he would make a great nation out of Abraham, the nation of Israel. And that promise would begin with God providing a child. But when God promised this, Abraham and his wife Sarah didn't have any kids yet. And God never gave Abraham a timeline of when he would see this promise come to pass. But you can imagine that perhaps Abraham at first assumed that right after he heard this from God, that Sarah, his wife, would be pregnant. And that they would see the fruit of that promise and that encounter with God, but it didn't happen that way. It would take 25 years of waiting from when God made this promise for Abraham and Sarah to see the fulfillment of the promise. And that's where we meet Abraham and Sarah in our story tonight. They are in this second phase, awaiting the fulfillment of the promise. And in this second phase, you can call this the season of waiting, we have two choices. We can hurry or we can trust. We can hurry or trust as we look ahead to the third phase, which is the fulfillment of what God has promised. But in our frustration and in our disappointment and pain in our waiting, we can take things into our own hands like we will see that Abraham and Sarah did. Or we can choose instead to surrender to God's timing, to trust his plan and know that the fulfillment of the things that we are waiting on do not depend on our effort, but on God's faithfulness. We don't have to hurry because God is faithful. So our story tonight begins in Genesis chapter 16, and it has been 12 years since God made this promise, and Sarah and Abraham are still dealing with infertility. Now this has been 12 years of waiting, of wondering if they maybe heard God wrong, if God was actually going to come through and fulfill this promise like he said. And in verse 2, Sarah said, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. And can you hear the pain in her words there? This, this pain of waiting, this pain of disappointment, unanswered prayers, barrenness, infertility, and the public shame that came along with that in that culture. And at this point, she is frustrated and she's blaming God too, and that itself carries deep pain as well. Now, seasons of waiting can be lonely and painful and feel like God is far away, when in reality, that place of waiting is exactly where he wants to meet us and show that he is with us in our waiting. But Sarah and Abraham at this point instead chose to hurry. Maybe they could speed up God's timeline. Sarah's biological clock was ticking, and it seemed like the deadline was fast approaching. So Sarah told Abraham to have a child with their servant Hagar, and Hagar got pregnant. Now, this made Sarah feel even more hurt, like God didn't actually need her to be a part of the equation, like she was actually the reason they had been waiting 12 years. All this time, she was placing the blame on God, and perhaps this made her question if she should have been putting the blame on herself all along. So Sarah, in her pain, the Bible says, dealt harshly with Hagar. So Hagar ran away and was left pregnant and alone in the wilderness. 
Now, this, this situation here is all kinds of messed up and complicated. But in this moment, an angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar in the wilderness and promised her that God had a future for her and her unborn child. That he was also going to make a great nation out of them. Just like he promised Abraham this, he also promised it to Hagar. Now, this part of the story is especially redemptive and beautiful because this is the first appearance of the angel of the Lord in the Bible. This wasn't to Noah or Moses or Abraham or or any of these spiritual giants that we hear about. This was to a single mother-to-be who was deeply hurt and mistreated by the people who put her in this situation to begin with. Now, God was not against Hagar and her son Ishmael and their descendants, but he was with them And he saw them and noticed them in their hard situation and had a beautiful promise for their future as well. Now, 13 years later, 13 years after this attempt to hurry God up, Sarah conceived. Now, it took 25 years total for Abraham and Sarah to see the fruit of this promise come to pass. And by this time, they were already well into their 90s. Now, Abraham and Sarah were not perfect in their obedience They were not perfect in their waiting or perfectly patient for all of those years, but God was perfect in his faithfulness. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, we, we may not understand why God seems so slow, We may not understand why our prayers remain unanswered, but we can be certain of his faithfulness. And we can be certain of his promises. And he promises us that he will never leave us, that he'll never forsake us, and that he does a great work in us, in our seasons of waiting, in our seasons of disappointment and spiritual dryness. So we don't have to hurry because God is so faithful. Now, even though Abraham and Sarah tried to hurry along this process, we know that they continually fixed their eyes on God's faithfulness in the midst of their waiting. Hebrews 11 says about Sarah and Abraham that by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. I love the way the message version puts this verse too. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant, old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's how it happened, that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. I mean, the the message version is a little bit more graphic, but I I love that line that she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. And that's how it happened. Now, one of the best examples we see of how they kept their faith in their season of waiting was that every time God appeared to Abraham and simply reminded him of what he had promised him, Abraham's response every time was to build an altar. His response was to worship, to trust, to respond to God with gratitude for what he promised before he even received that promise. Now, what what is God reminding you of tonight? And how is he asking you to respond? 
Now, reminding ourselves of his faithfulness is the first step to ridding ourselves from hurry. But the next thing we can do is embrace an eternal perspective in our waiting. Considering how God is present with us in our waiting and what he is trying to teach us there in that season. Hebrews 11 continues to say in verse 13 in the message translation, Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance and waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back any time they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. The reality is there are some things in this life that we are waiting on that God has promised that we won't see in this life. And when we keep faith in the midst of that, God is proud of us. I've been open here many times at Sync that part of my story is that I was sexually assaulted 10 years ago. And God has done an incredible healing work in me and has brought so much beauty and redemption out of a horrible, evil thing that happened to me. But I am not fully healed. And I don't think that I will fully heal on this side of eternity. In the Lord of the Rings, at the very end, Frodo is writing down his memories of his journey. And he has a scar in his side from a time that he was badly stabbed. And in this book he's writing, recounting his experiences, he says this. There are some things that time cannot mend, some hurts that go too deep that have taken hold. And when Sam sees Frodo touch his side in pain, Frodo says to Sam that it's been four years since that day, but when he presses on that wound, it still hurts. Now this, this wound for me still hurts when it gets pressed on. There are times when I experience flashbacks Repressed memories coming back or just general sadness, anger, and grief over my loss and what happened to me. And I cry out to God asking when this is all going to be over and when he's going to hurry up and heal me. But then I remember that I will see Jesus face to face. I will see the scars on his side and his hands and his feet that he bore for my freedom, for my healing and my wholeness. And my healing process won't be a struggle anymore. I won't have to fight for it anymore. And I don't have to hurry my healing process because God is faithful and he will heal me. Now, I don't believe that I will forget what happened to me. I believe God is a God of justice and he won't simply wipe my memory, but I will instead experience the full beauty of redemption that Christ has to offer me. And as he still bears his scars, so I will bear mine. And I know that there will be an end to my pain, and there will be a day that this doesn't hurt anymore. And friends, I don't, I don't know what this looks like for you tonight. Perhaps you struggle with mental illness, and this is the struggle that you will continue to wrestle with on this side of eternity, and you need to hold fast with faith tonight knowing that there will be a day where your mind is set free 
where it's healed fully and you will see Jesus face to face. And when you do, you will know perfect peace, everlasting joy and comfort. Now, maybe you suffer from chronic pain and you wake up every day hurting physically and you're exhausted emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and you need to hold fast with faith, knowing that there will be a day where your body will be healed and made whole by a Savior who loves you so much and whose heart breaks at the pain that you endure every single day. And maybe you have some emotional healing to do too. Healing from loss, from heartbreak, from abuse, or from trauma, and it still hurts. And tonight you need to hold fast with faith, knowing that your night will turn to day. Your heart will be fully healed and set free, and these painful parts of your story will be redeemed. Because he who began a good work in you is so faithful to complete it. You may not see it on this side of eternity, but I promise you, you will see it. And this doesn't mean that we give up on these things. No, we take courage all the more and we pray fervently for these seemingly impossible prayers. And I promise you that right now, in the midst of your waiting, in the midst of your disappointment, your hurt and your pain, God is with you. God is with you. And he is not hurrying, but he invites you to slow down and recognize how very present he is with you in your waiting to breathe in, knowing that you don't have to hurry because God is so faithful. So friends, don't, don't forget his faithfulness. Don't forget his promises. Keep praying what seem like impossible prayers because he will surely keep his promise to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for how faithful you are. God, we pray that in the midst of our waiting, God, that we would set our eyes on everything that you have promised us. And on your character, that you are faithful to fulfill the things that you have promised. God, for those of us in this room who, who feel forgotten, who feel alone, who can't see how you could possibly be with us right now. God, I pray that right now that you would open their eyes. God, that you would speak to them and show them that you are with them. God, let us become more and more aware of your presence. God, in these seasons and the things that we are waiting for. God, open our eyes to see you. God, we invite you to do that right now. It's in your name we pray.